All right, let's start with the first political turkeys. And uh, for some of some of my selections, it's it's a du- it's a duo combination. Uh, the first political turkeys of 2020, the brother Cuomo's and their nose swab, Christopher Cuomo and brother Andrew Cuomo and their nose swabs. Why have I selected Christopher Cuomo and brother Andrew? Well, let's start with the fact that even though uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo is apparently he's winning an Emmy Award, an Emmy Award for his daily press conferences during coronavirus. No, I'm not. This is not the onion. Andrew Cuomo winning an Emmy for his daily news conferences. Um, I guess as part of that Emmy, you get to award him for not shutting down the most diverse, uh, most populous state in the country uh, early enough, not shutting down subways, which he had the power to do in New York City, not shutting down transportation early enough, and then shut it, and then sending uh, over 6,000 COVID-positive seniors back to their nursing homes to die. Uh, but I add in Brother Christopher, who, by the way, if CNN had something called journalistic ethics, Chris Cuomo would not be interviewing the governor of New York, his brother, during the deadly pandemic that his brother is responsible for the most hard-hit state. What Chris Cuomo, the fearless journalism Chris Cuomo was doing. Of course, he challenged his brother on why did you send over 6,000 COVID-positive seniors back to their nursing homes? Of course he did, right? Or why did you give the executives of these nursing homes, blanket liability, so they would have no liability. Let's see this grilling that Chris Cuomo gave his brother Andrew from months ago. Is it true that when you were having the test administered, you inhaled and the doctor's finger went all the way up your nose and got stuck and had to be released with a tool? Is that true? Just to to deal with the record. she, she, She wanted to comment that I have a little button nose, mm. and she was afraid that the swab would actually hurt because it, it extended my uh, nasal cavity. The proboscis uh, issue. speaking about the delicacy of, of the nose. Of the nose. Yes. And that's what, you know what, I understand. This is the normal swab I'm holding up here now and for everybody at home. A very valuable object. There's only one company in the entire country that makes these up in Maine. All right, here's the swab. Is it true that this was this swab that the nurse was actually using on you and that at first it went into your nose and disappeared so that in scale, this was the actual swab that was being used to fit up that double barrel shotgun that you have mounted on the front of your pretty face. See, I said I was going to be nice and sweet. Where is Chris Cuomo's Emmy? Shouldn't he get one too? Shouldn't Chris Cuomo get an Emmy for his fearless, fearless journalism? 
That's challenging power. That's challenging one of the most powerful governors in the United Corporations of America and demanding to know, why would you rush over 6,000 senior citizens who were positive, who had coronavirus, back to a nursing home? Why would you do that? That's CNN's journalism during the pandemic. I don't want to knock, knock all of their journalism. You know, some of the things they did were, were decent. But what's funny about this is while, I mean, excuse my French, while Chris Cuomo was giving journalistic sexual favors to his brother, CNN's, I guess, digital reporters actually called out the fact that Chris Cuomo had killed over 6,000 seniors, fact-checking Governor Cuomo's false claim about COVID-positive patients and nursing homes. This is from CNN, their website at least. I guess they're not allowed to say it on TV. Governor Cuomo said that nursing homes, quote, never needed to accept COVID-positive patients from hospitals in the state due to a shortage of hospital beds. During a press call Wednesday, Finger Lakes News Radio asked Cuomo about his administration's advisory in late March requiring that nursing homes accept the readmission of patients from hospitals, even if they were positive for COVID. The governor's office has repeatedly said the advisory was based on federal guidance, which prohibited discrimination based on coronavirus diagnosis. You can't make this up. Yes, such discrimination as not to send old people with COVID back to nursing homes. The state's Department of Health told CNN residents were admitting to nursing homes during that time, not as an overflow facility, but because that's where they live. Cuomo said that the advisory was a precaution if hospitals became overwhelmed, calling it an anticipatory rule, which he said didn't happen. Facts first, Chris, uh, from CNN. Cuomo's assertion that it never happened is false. According to a report from the New York State Department of Health, 6,326 COVID-positive residents were admitted to nursing home facilities following Cuomo's mandate that nursing home accept the readmission of COVID-positive patients from hospital. Whether or not this was needed, it did, in fact, happen. So, this governor who MSNBC and CNN were practically slobbering over in the early days of the pandemic made a decision because according to his health department that's where these seniors lived um, to send them on home while they were COVID positive not to continue to isolate them in a hospital or use the ships Remember those ships that, to Trump's credit, he sent to New York to be a potential overflow capacity if hospitals were overrun? Could have sent the seniors there to the ships parked in, uh, docked in New York Harbor. But no, he just sent them home. And what's interesting, didn't really hear this reported by uh, Chris Cuomo. Cuomo gave immunity to nursing home executives after big campaign donations from said executives. See how that works? This is from David Sirota in The Guardian. 
as Governor Andrew Cuomo faced a spirited challenge in his bid to win the New York 2018 Democratic primary, his political apparatus got a last-minute boost. A powerful healthcare industry group suddenly poured more than a million dollars into a Democratic committee backing his campaign. And less than two years after that flood of, ca- flood of cash from the Greater New York Hospital Association, Cuomo signed legislation last month quietly shielding hospital and nursing home executives from the threat of lawsuits stemming from coronavirus. The provision, inserted into an annual budget bill by Cuomo's aides, created one of the nation's most explicit immunity protections for healthcare industry officials, according to legal experts. Wow, isn't that interesting? Right in the beginning of this pin- pandemic, Governor Cuomo takes his nose swab, i.e. pen, and signs liability waivers for his donors. Give that man an Emmy. This is literally the definition, not only of failing upward in the United Corporations of America, but killing upward. You get Emmys now. Literally, you get Emmys for making decisions that kill people. Well, we shouldn't be surprised. George W. Bush got a Liberty Award, I think. Joe Biden handed it to him a couple years ago. And you want to know something? Chris Cuomo is complicit in this. I get it. I get it. It's your brother. I have two brothers. I get you want to protect them. I get it's your brother. You get defensive. You want to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's why you shouldn't be interviewing your brother, who's the governor, presiding over ground zero of the coronavirus, which was New York in the early days. The fact that CNN let Chris Cuomo interview Andrew Cuomo is why you're getting this fearless journalism of nose swabs. Let me tell you something. In a sane political world, in a sane journalistic world, Andrew Cuomo would not be getting an Emmy. He'd be getting a recall. In a sane world, Chris Cuomo would go on air and apologize that during a deadly pandemic, I I lost count of the numbers. I think over 30,000 New Yorkers died. Probably more. He's palling around with nose swabs with his corrupt brother. Now, this next turkey is a very expensive one. This next turkey, very, very expensive. Uh, To the tune of $88 million dollars. 88 million. That's a one hell of an expensive turkey. But you get two for the price of none. Two for the price of none. Chuck Schumer and Amy McGrath. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Oh, God. Where do you even start with these two? Where do you even start with these two? Well, I'd like to start, actually. This didn't get a lot of attention. But before um, Amy McGrath even won the Democratic primary in Kentucky, um, there was a Kentucky radio host, uh, Matt Jones. He's a sports host, pretty popular, I guess, in sports radio in Kentucky. He was considering running uh, for Senate against McConnell. And apparently uh, Chuck Schumer got wind of this, but Chuck Schumer had already knighted 
politically knighted Amy McGrath, who was fresh off of losing her congressional race. Uh, in Matt Jones's book, sorry, all I got is a tweet of this passage, so I'll just zoom in. Matt Jones recounts meeting with Chuck Schumer to go over where Chuck Schumer was basically trying to talk him out of challenging McGrath. So, Matt Jones writes, we move on to talking about Kentucky. I tell him about, I tell him about this book and the plan to visit all 120 counties in the state. He is shocked to learn that I am going to visit everyone in 10 weeks, noting that he hits all the counties in New York once every two years, as opposed to Mitch McConnell, who visits one county every two years. He asked me how I would go about winning if I were a candidate, and I explained my thinking. To win in Kentucky, any Democrat has to win Louisville and Lexington big, compete well in northern Kentucky, and then cut the margins in rural parts of the state. What I believe I could do differently is actually win in the mountains of eastern Kentucky. I am from there, have a strong connection to the area, and understand the issues important to them. If a Democrat can win the mountains, it changes the whole political calculus of the state. McConnell is a particularly vulnerable there because of his poor record when it comes to caring for coal miners. I could tell Schumer is intrigued, uh, Jones recounts. He cuts right down to the chase. Well, what about Amy McGrath? Can she do the same thing? So... Obviously, he already had McGrath chosen as his hand-picked corporate stooge to raise a lot of money for the Democrats in the Senate, but lose to McConnell. No, she can't, he, he said bluntly. The launch of her campaign was horrific. No one knows what she stands for, and she is running for office by trying to avoid tough stands and align herself as more favorable to Trump than McConnell is. That is an insanely stupid strategy that no one believes is authentic or real. And if she utilizes it, she will lose by 15 points or more. He asks how I would deal with Trump's popularity. And I say, I think Kentuckians respect authenticity and honesty. I will say to Trump, uh, Trump voters what I always say on the issues. We agree more than we disagree. We all want better education, health care and workers rights. The only difference is I don't like Trump and you do. That's fine. But we both don't like Mitch Schumer pauses and grins at me slowly. You have thought a lot about this, I could tell. He then goes on to say that while he can't say it publicly, he agrees the McGrath strategy has been poor and that the campaign doesn't listen to anyone and believes it could do it without any help whatsoever. He is frustrated with their actions. Feeling emboldened, I deliver the message I came here to say. Look, if you don't mind me being, re being real, here's the deal. You guys picked Amy McGrath, not because you thought she could win, but because you knew she would raise a lot of money and would be a big help for your national ticket due to her impressive background. You don't think anyone in Kentucky can win, so why not pick her? I get it. But the reality is, reality is Mitch McConnell is beatable, and you guys are too stubborn to realize it. You need someone who can relate to Kentucky and has a chance at, of convincing those Republicans who like Trump and hate McConnell to vote Democrat. I could do it. She can't. So basically what you have here, folks, Chuck Schumer already knew. This is before uh, Charles Booker even got into the race. Chuck Schumer already knew. Uh, there's no way Amy McGrath's going to win. Chuck Schumer already knew this was a terrible strategy. But as Matt Jones, the radio host who was considering running, said, it was never about beating Mitch McConnell. It was about 
fronting a, oh, God, the resume on this woman. She was a Marine, brave Marine. She's a woman. What else do we need? Okay, if she runs her campaign basically saying I could push Trump's agenda better than McConnell. This is literally the camp, the ad she was running. I could push Trump's agenda more effectively than McConnell. Who cares? We'll raise a lot of money. And boy, did they raise a hell of a lot of money. Amy McGrath raised $88 million from a who's who of Wall Street scumbags, big pharma, fossil fuels, Silicon Valley, real estate developers, basically the whole damn bourgeoisie on the orders of Chuck donated $88 million. Let me tell you something. If Charles Booker had $88 million, Charles Booker would be the senator-elect because he would have defeated Mitch McConnell. What did that $88 million get, Chucky? Ooh, what is that? 19-point loss. Let's just round it to 20, shall we? 20-point loss. Amy McGrath, $88 million. Which shows you that it's all gaslighting all the time from the corporate Democratic establishment. The, the $88 million, think about what $88 million could have done for a variety of political campaigns. Uh, I could think Paula Jean Swaringen could have used that $88 million. I would have preferred it not coming from bankers and these scum. But all of that money for somebody that she knew, Chuck Schumer knew, was going to lose. And now, after she lost her House race, after she lost the Senate race, she now creates a super PAC. She has created a super PAC to help the Democrats in Georgia uh, facing off in their runoff. I guess help them lose too? Can't make this up. Two-time loser with Chuck E. Cheese on her side. Chuck E. Cheese admitted, yeah, you know, her strategy's terrible. Chuck E. Cheese had a candidate right in front of him from the eastern mountains of Kentucky who knew the community, who spoke their language, who could have beat McConnell. Probably not as progressive as you or I, but hell of a lot better than Amy McGrath. Chuck E. Cheese said, bye-bye, Matt Jones. And now we have another six years of the preeminent turkey, Mitch McConnell. I want to get to uh, someone you might not have thought about, but to me are two coke turkeys that honestly should not be journalists nationally. And that would be the CNN duo of MJ Lee and Abby Phillips. I hope you guys are not, are sitting down. I don't want to make you angry again, but we got to gobble gobble on MJ Lee and Abby Phillips. And I know the establishment will rant, how dare you 
a black woman, an Asian woman, how dare you attack them? I don't give a damn. What they did is attack worthy, in my view. So if you recall, the Democratic primary was going, going, going along, and Bernie Sanders had really, really turned the tide. Really, really turned the tide uh, against Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, for you know, a couple months, uh, had really siphoned off a lot of those votes from Bernie Sanders, and um, it was you know looking pretty good for Warren. And then, of course, because Warren doesn't stand for anything, Warren started moonwalking on Medicare for all and a whole host of other things. So she kind of needed a last minute like hail mary, so to speak. And MJ Lee started it off for CNN, assisting Elizabeth Warren. With this doozy, we have reporting that they discussed ways to beat uh, Donald Trump, and that Warren uh, told Bernie Sanders that two major reasons she thought that she would be a strong candidate was because she could mount a robust uh, argument on the economy, and that she thought she could get broad support from female voters. Now, four sources tell CNN that Bernie Sanders responded to Elizabeth Warren by saying he does not believe that a woman can win. Uh, now, we are also told that uh, Sanders expressed some frustration uh, about the role of identity politics uh, for Democrats and also that Elizabeth Warren disagreed uh, with Sanders' assessment that a woman could not win. Uh, now, the Warren campaign did not comment uh, in response to this story, but Bernie Sanders has just sent this statement to CNN. Uh, I will read it in full. He says, it is ludicrous to believe that at the same meeting where Elizabeth Warren told me she was going to run for president, I would tell her that a woman couldn't win. It's sad that three weeks before the Iowa caucus and a year after that private conversation, staff who weren't in the room are lying about what happened. What I did say that night was that Donald Trump is a... So uh, that trip down memory lane, let me let me explain. I don't want to condescend my wonderful audience, but let me explain uh, how that really worked. When they say uh, Elizabeth Warren wouldn't comment on the record. Yeah, uh, because Elizabeth Warren and her campaign fed you this bullshit. Excuse my French swear jar. If you have a meeting and there's two people in the meeting and you got four sources who confirm or tell you that this was said, I'm pretty sure Bernie Sanders' campaign isn't linking to CNN, that Bernie's a evil, sexist, misogynist jerk-off. So who, I ask, could these four sources be? And in journalism, you're not supposed to. It's really in, in the age of the internet and digital media and clickbait and a desperate ploy for profit. A lot of these outlets just basically regurgitate whatever the hell sources told them and present it as news. It really, in a lot of these cases, there's actually no way to actually verify whether any of it's true, but they just reported it off as news saying, you know, sources have told us. When I report anonymous sources, it's based on actually having seen corroborating evidence that I was told, uh, based corroborating evidence that confirms what the anonymous sources have told me. And I keep those sources anonymous in many cases because either they could lose their jobs or face worse consequences. For example, in the Flint water story that Jen and I did. But in this case, four anonymous sources are used to basically push a high school gossip. Four anonymous sources were pushed to 
essentially pass off high school gossip as hard, hard news reporting to Elizabeth Warren campaign must have seen, wow, we're hemorrhaging uh, progressive votes to Bernie, particular, particularly uh, we're actually losing females to Bernie. Instead of, I don't know, retracting, going back, moonwalking again, saying, you know what? I am for Medicare for all. No, no bones about it. Instead of pivoting her actual message to win back some of those Bernie voters that she might have lost, she chose to go identity politics on steroids and basically slime a politician, a friend, who frankly was better to her than she deserved for years. She screwed Bernie in 2016. He was still deferential and kind to her. So that's the M.G. Lee portion of this, that turkey. Now let's move to Abby Phillips and this journalism. Up in the last 48 hours, Senator Sanders, CNN reported yesterday that, and Senator Sanders, Senator Warren confirmed in a statement that in 2018, you told her that you did not believe that a woman could win the election. Why did you say that? Well, as a matter of fact, I didn't say it. Uh, And I don't want to waste a whole lot of time on this because this is what Donald Trump and maybe some of the media want. Uh, Anybody knows me knows that it's incomprehensible that I would think that a woman could not be president of the United States. Go to YouTube today. There's a video of of me 30 years ago talking about how a woman could become president of the United States. In 2015, I deferred, in fact, to Senator Warren. There was a movement to draft Senator Warren to run for president. And you know what? I said, stayed back. Senator Warren decided not to run, and I did, I did run afterwards. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by three million votes. How could anybody in a million years not believe that a woman could become president of the United States? And let me be very clear. If any of the women on this stage or any of the men on this stage win the nomination, I hope that's not the case. I hope it's me. (laughs) But if they do, I will do everything in my power to make sure that they are elected in order to defeat the most dangerous president in the history of our country. So, Senator Sanders, Senator Sanders, I do want to be clear here. You're saying that you never told Senator Warren that a woman could not win the election. That is correct. Senator Warren? What did you think when Senator Sanders told you a woman could not win the election? I disagreed. Bernie is my friend, and I am not here to try to fight with Bernie. So, did you beat your wife? No, I didn't beat my wife. How did you feel when your husband punched you in the face? I mean, it is absolutely outrageous. If this, literally, in a Journalism 101 class, that journalist, Abby Phillips, would be essentially kicked out or given an F. He just told you he didn't say it. So the question to Senator Warren, uh, Senator Warren, you know, Senator Sanders is uh, contesting uh, that he said that, um, 
do, do you want to contest his denial? Uh, is it possible maybe there was a miscommunication? You know, is he lying? Instead, the framing, it's like Bernie Sanders didn't even answer the question. It's almost like we're just going to toss out his denial. And how did you feel when he told you a woman can't become president? That's not um, inexperience. That's not um, even bad journalism. That is literally a political attack dressed as journalism. That is CNN actively pushing a narrative broken originally by CNN. This is how it started. Elizabeth Warren's campaign leaks it to MJ Lee. MJ Lee breaks it, reports it as if it's news. And you have days of this sexist, pseudo-wokeness debate. And then they drive, they drive, drive the, drive it home during the debate. It's a setup. Perfect carne. It's a setup. Absolutely. And frankly, Bernie Sanders, part of why he's not the president today, there's a lot of reasons, is too nice of a guy and he didn't know how to go for the jugular. He should have turned around and said, with all due respect, uh, you're, you're lying, Senator Warren. I never said that. Uh, and anyone who knows my record, uh, my policies, and who I am as a person knows that I would not say that. And this is all a distraction. And frankly, it seems to me you are very, very welcoming of this distraction since you have lost, since you have uh, ceded ground in the polls to me. And I would have turned to CNN also and attacked them. Uh, a source in Bernie's campaign uh, after when I did a kind of after the primary, I did a piece on what went wrong in Bernie's campaign, told me that single handedly Elizabeth Warren's whole, you know, he told me I can't be a president. A woman can't win. Bernie lost eight to ten points uh, of of among women. He lost ground eight to ten points among women just for that. That is beyond a snake. That's beyond a snake. That is a Friggin' alligator. That is an alligator. And Abby Phillips and MJ Lee, this is what identity politics is about. This is what identity journalism is about. We throw different faces. We throw different genders on screen or in print. And it doesn't, and, and we can't attack them. We can't criticize them. We should just celebrate because we have a black woman as the moderator, or we have an Asian woman as the journalist. Oh, if they're simply basically serving as political henchmen for Elizabeth Warren's failing campaign, who cares? Same thing that Joe Biden's doing right now, naming, you know, uh, women or Latino women to be his intelligence advisors or top positions in intelligence. Abby, Abby Martin put it well in our interview recently, woke imperialism. It's disgusting. And frankly, what it's not the only reason he lost, but I think Elizabeth Warren is one of the ma biggest reasons that Joe Biden is the president today. I do agree. And Trump even pushed this out and, you know, broken clock right twice a day. If Elizabeth Warren would have got the hell out of the way 
particularly after she lost the New Hampshire primary, Bernie would have probably won the primary. Elizabeth Warren. It took a lot for me not to name her the top turkey of the year, but I thought that would be too obvious. And I don't think she is the top turkey of the year. She might be the top turkey of the decade. We'll see. But the decade is still young. But we got to get into specifically Elizabeth Warren, who I absolutely believe should be primaried if she runs again for the Senate in 2024. I want to start right here. (laughs) Stuffing for me. I want to start with Elizabeth Warren. Let's see uh, just who Elizabeth Warren is. Speaking about racial injustice, do you think the order of the primary state should change? You have Iowa and New Hampshire. Wait, let me me just, before you finish, are you actually going to ask me to sit here and criticize Iowa and New Hampshire? (laughs) No, I'm asking about the order. No, that is what Iowa and New Hampshire are all about. But let me just ask, they're two of the whitest states in the country. And then we move to South Carolina with a a very significant... uh, population of people of color. And it means the candidates spend so much of their time catering to those first two states. Overall, do you think that should change? Look, I'm just a player in the game on this one. And I am delighted to be in South Carolina. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You, Thank you. Look, just a player in the game. I'm just a player in the game, folks. Oh, damn it. I should have added some snakes to that turkey. So I want to first say, even though she was a Republican back in the day, we all can change. And I do believe, based on everything I saw in 2011, 2012, that Elizabeth Warren's instincts were pure, at least when she entered the Senate. She was a Republican. She voted for Reagan several times. But seems like by 2012, she came around. She came around. It seems like by 2012, we remember, if you were paying attention then, that viral video, you know, you did not make money on your own. You used publicly funded roads. You moved your product to market on our roads. I think Elizabeth Warren, uh, before Washington corrupted her, uh, was uh, legitimately had progressive instincts. Um, From her writings, uh, before she ran for senator, from her writings, she supported universal health care, Medicare for all or single payer, it wasn't referred to as Medicare for all. What's amazing here is Elizabeth Warren, uh, I know, we we don't need to relitigate 2016. She obviously sold Bernie out. There was no choice if you're a real progressive between Hillary Clinton and Bernie. Okay. And after she sold Bernie out in 2016, she lost a lot of her her progressive street cred, and she knew that. So if she was going to run again in 2020... I think it is a real indictment of Elizabeth Warren that, remember, Bernie said in 2016, I was ready to step back. Senator Warren, I said, if you run, I'm not going to run. Think about it. The fact that Bernie at 70, I think he was 77 when he ran again, or 78, felt, even though Warren was running, I still need to run. Uh, I th- you know, I've criticized Bernie, but I don't think he's a dummy on who's progressive. I truly believe Bernie wised up and realized this is not somebody who's consistent. This is not somebody who is going to make um, um, principled compromise. This is somebody who wants power. And I 
I don't want to give her an, an open lane. So that's why Bernie ran again. So Elizabeth Warren runs, and out of the gate, she actually kind of, at least verbally, uh, uh, is running as a progressive. She supports Medicare for all. She says, you know, her, her whole branding exercise, I've got a plan for everything and uh, selfies and whatnot. And she is doing incredibly well. Summer 2019, she's basically at the top. She took the lead summer of 2019 to, to my dismay. Frankly, a lot of people who voted for Bernie in 2016 uh, moved over to her based on her at least verbally saying, I'm for Medicare for all. I'm for a Green New Deal. You know, let's take it to Wall Street. No super PACs. It, she was presenting herself as a similar, similar to Bernie, a Bernie knockoff, just a little younger and maybe a little bit more palatable to Wall Street. So why, you know, if it ain't broke, why fix it? If you're in the lead running on Medicare for all, running on a Green New Deal, no super PACs, whatever, why would you start moonwalking away from those things? Why? Could it be you don't actually believe those things? Could it be you don't actually have a core principle? Yeah, maybe it's true that you think Wall Street is out of control. Maybe it's true that you think Wall Street needs you know, police on the beat to monitor Wall Street, tighter regulations. Maybe you do believe those things. But at the same time, you're not willing to fight for those things. You're willing to make these internal compromises on policy, on positions to get in the room. Because somewhere along the line, she even said, I think it was Larry Summers, Lawrence Summers, that Wall Street vulture said, you have more power in the room than outside the room. So you got to play the game to get inside the room. But the problem is, don't matter if you get inside the room. It don't matter if you get a seat at the table. It don't matter if you get the opposite head of the table. Because the other people at the table aren't the ones making the decisions. And Elizabeth Warren really never realized that. You want to know who's making the decisions? Their bosses. The United Corporations of America, goddammit. The donors are making the decision. So Warren could be in the room. She could sell herself out. She could sell out all her principles. She could sell Bernie down the river and progressives down the river. She could, she could have become, let's say, for argument's sake, she was named Treasury Secretary. Does, anybody, does Elizabeth Warren, is she so naive that she thought she was going to be able to do anything to Wall Street inside that room other than a couple Band-Aids like Dodd-Frank? which was a joke of Wall Street regulation after the financial crash? Did she truly believe that she was going to break up big banks if she's in the room or regulate banking if she's in the room? You have to literally rearrange the whole goddamn room. So... For some unexplained reason, probably because she was in the lead, but she knew or she thought, all right, even if I win the primary here, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get the usual suspect support. I'm not going to win without money. 
And they're not going to, Wall Street, all the people that I pretend to hate, they're not going to give me money if I stick with Medicare for all on these things. So all of a sudden, she started changing her strategies, changing her strategy. They're nervous about a narrow vision that uh, just doesn't speak to the Americans who see real problems and want to see real change. But they are also worried about gambling on a revolution that won't bring along a majority of this country. Um, it is, I am a Democrat through and through. I have rock solid values and I know how to get things done. I don't want to be president just to yell at people. I want to be president to change things. That's why I'm going there. So let's get this straight. Elizabeth Warren was literally leading the pack in the Democratic primary in the summer. A couple months before Iowa, she was number one. She was surging, supporting Medicare for all, supporting a Green New Deal, no super PACs, grassroots donations, no big fundraisers, even though she did a lot of fundraisers with uh, rich people during her Senate reelection in 2018, and then just took the money that rich people gave her for her Senate reelection, transferred it over to her presidential. So it was kind of an accounting trick she pulled. You're winning, but then you decide, I'm going to moonwalk away from the things that are the reason I'm winning. Medicare for all softened her position on money and politics, said, ah, you know, yeah, I take their money during the general. We can't unilaterally disarm, which is a famous uh, excuse corporate Democrats use. Uh, to take money from bankers, fossil fuckers, big pharma, big real estate, Silicon Valley, and the rest. And then you start nosediving, and then you turn around, and you're, after your ridiculous Hail Mary leaking to CNN that Bernie told you a woman can't win, which was bullshit, then you start this approach, we don't need a revolution, and we can't be narrow-minded. Okay, so you're basically attacking Bernie because all he does is talk about revolution and his narrow-mindedness, but you were proposing the same exact things, his narrow-mindedness. You were proposing exactly that narrow-minded agenda like five minutes earlier. You were proposing Medicare for all. You were proposing all these things. If you, there's, there's two types of politicians, politicians that are pure and politicians that want power. Sometimes there's some gray area, but that's generally the two corners. Elizabeth Warren, even if she thought Bernie screwed her, which he didn't, even if she felt Bernie didn't condemn his supporters hard enough for, you know, the crime uh, of criticizing her online or, or snakes, snake emojis. This is somebody who wants to lead the army. This is somebody who wants to deal with natural disasters as president possibly deal with a nuclear-armed uh, uh, nuclear armed countries, uh, potential attacks, but you can't handle snake emojis? Are you kidding me? Elizabeth Warren, at her purest, is about herself over actually enacting progressive change. And I think this clip shows you exactly, shows that exactly. Seem to be a path to make that happen. I think there's a real problem with this online bullying and sort of organized nastiness. And I'm not just talking about who said mean things. Mm. I'm talking about some really ugly stuff that went on. We are responsible for the people who claim to be our supporters and do really um, 
threatening, ugly, dangerous things for other to other. And it's candidates. a particularly it's a particular problem with Sanders. As it is. I mean, and it just is um, a, a lot of postmortems on his campaign. A credit you basically mm -hmm. was single handedly uh, tanking his candidacy with the way you took him apart in that debate. Do you uh, is that what you were trying to do? Yes. Do you take credit? I, sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. But the point is, he's not going to be the Democratic nominee and he shouldn't be the Democratic nominee. Were you trying to destroy his campaign? Yes. Were you. Uh, do you think you tanked his campaign? Yes. Sure. And he shouldn't be the nominee. Instead, we should have Joe Biden, the guy who pushed through the very bill that I launched my political career on, the bankruptcy bill. This is what I'm saying. Ladies and gentlemen, gobble it up for Rudy Giuliani and his hair dye slash sweat slash whatever the hell that was coming down his sides. Rudy Giuliani, who, frankly, if you live in New York, uh, was, you know, like idolized. It, it was like a fantasy novel uh, made out of this guy, basically for a couple photo ops after 9-11 and for cracking down as mayor, cracking down on black people uh, and criminalizing uh, black people many of whom, by the way, kudos to Colin on this graphic. I literally bothered him to redo this graphic three times. <laughs> three times. Yeah, if only you knew. If only you knew. The amount of times I asked Colin to redo graphics. He, he is truly, as the Jews say, a mensch. But Rudy Giuliani, uh, I don't know why. I don't know if he's got a lot of debt. You know, I'm a journalist, so I don't want to pass off rumors. But we've heard, you know, there has been rumors from time to time about Rudy and his drinking likes to gamble, so maybe he just needs cash. I don't know. But Rudy Giuliani, for some reason, has politically prostituted himself for President Trump to the point where he's literally, I mean, you can't make up onion headlines that people would even believe uh, uh, in terms of Rudy Giuliani. I mean, let's just take a look here. Uh, Rudy, at his absurd press conference, which probably gave Jen coronavirus, uh, last week night seven or eight hundred thousand in Pennsylvania somehow he lost Pennsylvania we have statisticians willing to testify that that's almost statistically impossible to have happened in the period of time that it happened but of course that's just speculation probably the closest they got is from here to the back of that room we could do like a uh, did you all watch my cousin Vinny you know the movie? It's one of my favorite uh, law movies because he comes from Brooklyn. And uh, when the, the nice lady who said she saw, and then he, uh, he, he says to her, how many f fingers do I, how many fingers do I got up? And she says, uh, three. Well, she was too far away to see it was only two. These people were further away than my cousin Vinny was from the witness. They couldn't see a thing. Now, I don't know. You're going to tell me that 60 people are lying? They, they, they didn't just tell me this. They swore under penalty of perjury, which is something no Democrats ever done. <laughs> you don't even ask Biden about this. <laughs> you don't put, put him under penalty of perjury. He, he doesn't even get asked questions about it. 
he doesn't get asked questions about all all the evidence of the crimes that he committed. Listen, I got to be fair. I've been taking it to Joe Biden for the last, I don't know, year saying there's clearly something going on up here. Uh, we got to have a similar standard because something either this guy is completely grifting or something is no longer working. Uh, something, the wiring is no longer working because my cousin Vinny is the evidence of uh, a widespread election cabal. My cousin Vinny. This is one of my favorite parts. I assume if she's working, if she's working for the I assume if she's working for the city of Detroit that she's a Democrat. I assume if she's working if she's working for the I assume if she's working for the city of Detroit that she's a Democrat. And the best part of this freak show, the best part of this freak show. I mean, you can't see her, but you, to the left of Rudy, you got the QAnon uh, conspiracy theorist, leopard loving Sidney Powell who sprinkled into this insanity that Rudy was spewing, uh, accused Venezuela and China of being in on the election fraud cabal to steal the election from Trump, giving it to Biden. So you got leopard claws over there, and she's a major QAnon person. You got Rudy melting, I mean, sweating out his alcohol. I'm just being honest. People with drinking problems sweat. Uh... Sweating, uh, dripping, I, I don't know what it was, hair dye or something. Frankly, I think it's a marvel. I don't know how Rudy Giuliani does not have coronavirus yet. It's possible he does, and he's just not telling anyone. His son was at that press conference and announced the next day he was COVID positive. Today, this morning, as I announced uh, at the beginning of this live stream, Boris Epstein, who was another maskless moron, Standing up there with Rudy and Sydney and the whole gang. He announced that he had coronavirus. So I don't know. I mean, is Rudy immune? Is, is, he, is he a super human? I mean, it's just insane. And it, it's a disgrace. I mean, I, I never respected Rudy Giuliani anyway. Um, he targeted black people as mayor of New York. And then, you know, whoa, he gets credited because crime went down in New York. Yeah, because you invented a lot of the crime. You concocted a lot of the crime. You busted, you know, black people selling drugs because there are no jobs, so that's all they could do. So he targeted black people, targeted brown people in New York City and was praised as, you know, America's mayor. Then did a few courageous photo ops after 9-11. Um, so he had a good, good track record, uh, at least in the media they loved him. Um, but, you know, he's gobbled it up, so to speak. He has gobbled it up and then some. So finally, Jen, who, because of that selfish asshole, Rudy Giuliani, now has coronavirus. Again, we don't have the test back, but she's got all the symptoms. Jen challenged Rudy. Let's take a trip down memory lane. Uh, you alleged that uh, Donald Trump has won by a, a landslide. Um, we've, we've seen that a lot of your... Um, lawsuits and, and in fact lawyers have been kind of dropping like flies what do you say to those people who 
call this a Russiagate 2.0 just on the other side? Why didn't this, and also why didn't this happen where, where, in 2016? What, 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 what uh, fake network do you come from? I don't come up from a fake network. In fact, I am completely independent, have no one above my head. Uh, oh we're, my we're status quo well, independent. First of all, our cases haven't been dismissed. We only have. Uh, over 20, 20 um, plaintiffs who are involved in this. And, and also case, many, many lawyers. So I'm saying, what do you say to those who, who call this Russiagate 2.0? I think that we can say that um, Democrats um, have a lot to say that they can, kind of went way over their head. Uh, pointing Russia, 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 everything. What do you say to those who call this, you guys doing the, the same sort of thing? Answer the, question. the answer to the question is, we don't have a lot of lawsuits. We only have three. Our lawsuits have not been dropped all over the place. You did mention at the we top that, that lawyers had to go away because they were afraid okay. for publicly. So you're a totally discourteous person. I'm gonna finish my answer. So. I'm actually really nice. I'm going to finish my answer. The fact is we have very, very few lawsuits. The lawsuits you're talking about have been brought by private individuals and groups. Most of them were dismissed for lack of standing, probably correctly, because they were brought before the election took place. The election is now over. The only lawsuit we have withdrawn is the one where we got the relief that we wanted, and that's the one in Michigan. We also have another lawsuit in Michigan that will accomplish the other objectives of what we want to do in Michigan. So it's silly to have two competing lawsuits. The only lawyer that left a case left because he was threatened. His family was threatened. His children were threatened. And so was the other lawyer. Yeah, that's true. We have a, a little difficulty getting lawyers because our lawyers get threatened with being killed because of the ridiculous way in which you cover this and the ridiculous way in which you cover Well, you this. haven't seen how I've covered this. Now, what about I'm the point about, about Russiagate? I get a pretty good sense from the way you handle this. Oh, boy. Kudos to Jen, by the way, who, frankly, for, as a result of being the only actual journalist in that room to actually challenge him, the rest of them were out to lunch uh, listening to this lunacy, this insane lunacy, election fraud cabal, that, by the way, some progressive channels, progressive channels, are still pushing. Um, she probably, she's now in bed with uh, over 100 fever, a bad cough, uh, severe fatigue. She did have some breathing issues yesterday. So kudos to Jen. Uh, and, you know, I'm updating you as best I can. But, you ha I mean, nobody could get into Rudy's, you know, mind. But there's been reporting that he might have been asking Trump's campaign for $20,000 a day to keep up with this charade. But, you know, remember, let's go back to the definition of what a political turkey is. Goon. Loser. Clown, hypocrite. I mean, can you think of any better words for Rudy Giuliani? I think goon is the top selection for Rudy Giuliani. Who, frankly, even though his original media created wonderful reputation, he shouldn't have had that reputation in the first place, he's now ruined it, essentially, to serve as Donald Trump's 24-7 turkey. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. It is truly, truly sad. I think the top turkey of the year is the definition of a neoliberal hack. And I think the top turkey of the year is none other. Drumroll, please. 
Pete Buttigieg. Pete effing Buttigieg. Who, frankly, is America's turkey. And I think Mayor Pee Wee Herm, I mean Pete, is Obama, Clyburn, Biden, all wrapped into one chiseled specimen. Now, to take you through this top turkey, we have to start really at the beginning of the meal. We have to start at the beginning of the meal. And I learned about Pete Buttigieg thanks to you. You all uh, helped me. You all sent me to South Bend uh, before the Iowa caucus to actually dig and find out just who is Pete Buttigieg. Because frankly, the media um, really tried to push another Obama 2.0. The media really tried to make another Obama just young, you know, younger, white, and gay. And there was, I mean, this was a Super Bowl of platitudes coming out of this man's mouth. I don't even know one actual policy, Medicare for all who want it, which is nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, to pass the torch, new generation, yada, yada, yada. But in reality, if a journalist, because some journalists actually went to South Bend and did some reporting, very few, none from CNN, actually went to South Bend, they would have seen that his top accomplishment in South Bend was actually bulldozing the homes of black and brown people. Remember that? B bulldozing a thousand homes in a thousand days? If you've never seen this, I'm not going to play the whole video, but here is, if you want to watch the whole video, here is the report we did in South Bend driving around to show you Mayor Pete's top accomplishment as mayor of South Bend. Let's take a look. Um, but you've received some backlash from me and from others uh, and uh, about your 1,000 Houses in 1,000 Days initiative and something you have touted as a success. But the issue is it disproportionately affected African-Americans in South Bend. And African-Americans constitute 26% of the population in South Bend. And in fact, African-Americans who weren't able to repair their homes lost their homes. They were either demoed or they were sold to, to white folks. Looks like a forest in the city. Empty lots. So right there you got beautiful museum and rebuilt castles. And right behind it you have fallen apart, empty lots, forests in the city. This is all under Buddha judge and the streets although we you know you're not experiencing them with us I can tell you they're not even <laughs> look at this this looks like a war zone 
It's amazing to me because he's presented this as one of his shining achievements, but what's the achievement of it? There's nothing to show for it. So that gives you just a taste of what an accomplished, accomplished turkey Pete Buttigieg is. Uh, the other accomplishments of this top turkey was gentrifying like four blocks, the downtown area of South Bend, uh, beautifying four blocks, spending, I think, $25 million on a light show in the waterfall to make the waterfall in, in, in the river there, uh, show, you know, different colors at night uh, to basically attract businesses from Chicago to come to downtown South Bend by giving them, essentially paying them to do so, paying them to come. No, you don't have to pay taxes, nothing. Uh, and bulldozing uh, homes in black and brown parts of the town, uh, basically, so you could further gentrify. Uh, also, uh, while we reported there, we found out that they actually, his administration and him, paid black-owned businesses to leave, to literally move, like, down the road to a different city. So anyone who, if they would have actually done the ba most basic journalism— of Pete Buttigieg would have realized uh, this guy is a neoliberal um, Notre Dame latte latte sipping um, elitist and frankly a racist. Maybe not verbally, but by policy, absolutely. So that's who Pete Buttigieg is. But all of it, you know, the media just concocted this image and concocted this candidate to the point where he was leading at one point. He was seriously leading. And heading into Iowa, they had created uh, this candidate that a lot of people thought was this the future. You know, the next Obama, progressive, smart, gay. To the point that you start to wonder, is there like a is there a legitimate election fraud cabal to elect Pete Buttigieg? Remember? Des Moines Register for the first time in the history of the poll cancels the last poll because one person polled told them Pete Buttigieg wasn't given it as an option. We have to cancel the entire poll. Which, by the way, once it was leaked, showed Bernie Sanders in the lead by five or six points a few days before the Iowa caucus. And Pete Buttigieg, I believe, in third. We need to cancel the entire poll because one person said, well, Pete Buttigieg wasn't given as an option. You know, riddle me this. Do you think if a voter or somebody in Iowa called the Des Moines Register couple days before the Iowa caucus and said, you know, I'm, I'm very concerned because I was called and Bernie Sanders was not given as an option. Do you think the Des Moines Register would have canceled its final poll and not release it? Which, by the way, let's not be naive here. Polls do matter. It gives off. It pushes a public narrative. And who is in the lead uh, right before the caucus or the primary, it affects how voters think about who they're going to vote for. It does affect voter behavior. 
But all of a sudden, the Des Moines Register just cancels its final poll because of one person who wasn't offered PD. Sneaky Pete. You don't think the Pete Buttigieg campaign had something to do with that? You don't think maybe the DNC had a little something to do with that? Then we get to one of the most outrageous, arrogant, ballsy things I have ever seen. And I've been covering this corrupt political system for many, many years. Pete Buttigieg comes out before there's any results for the Iowa caucus and declares victory. brought together an extraordinary coalition of Americans, progressives, moderates, and that good number of what we like to call future former Republicans. And that's how we're going to win in November. Because it's about adding people to our cause. Tonight, an improbable hope became an undeniable reality. time it's all said and done, Iowa, you have shocked the nation. Because by all indications, we are going on to New Hampshire victorious. 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 Can you imagine if Bernie Sanders would have come out and declared himself the winner with no results? This man, this turkey, comes out, declares himself the winner, and CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, they are all too happy to push that narrative. Which, by the way, because I went to New Hampshire next, gave him... A 10-point bump in the New Hampshire polls in five days. Talk about 
a gobble and gobble scam.